0: Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me every other week for the entire duration of a five-year podcast. We won't get fooled again here on the Owls AmeriCast. Sheffield Wednesday, opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Astro, and as will be appropriate for the content of this week, I'm drinking one of my favorite uh, porters from up the road in Kent, Connecticut. It is the Kent Falls Pause and Reflect. Here on the Owls AmeriCast, uh, we do employ some... Uh, Tactical substitutions, and when Wednesday have a terrible performance, as it seems that they're streaming onto the playoffs with all the hallmarks of bad Wednesday performances over the years, it's time for some squad rotation. So we bring off the bench James Allen and Queens James. What are you drinking?
1: Good evening, Jeff. Um... Yeah, I'm back by special request of, uh, of Justin DeSorga, who said that uh, what we really needed was someone to come on with a panic and, uh, and highlight some of the deficiencies that we've seen in previous cycles. So We've, um, got,
0: a, we've got a specialist for that.
1: <laughs> I will not be playing that role tonight. That role will be played by, uh, by one of our uh, esteemed brethren on the podcast. Uh, what am I drinking? Um, I had a bit of a disaster, Jeff. So um, coming on the podcast, I thought, well, I'll go to the beer fridge. The beer fridge was pretty much empty. I had one beer left um which is the end of a 24 case from greenpoint brewery uh, just across the uh, the newtown creek and it's a sour um which maybe entitles the mood but it's called Spongeworthy. it's um with raspberries blackcurrants, and orange zest which i guess is pretty much all the fruits um and so far so good it does it'd be better
0: for us like 10 degrees up to its warmer than, like the like earlier when it was like yeah i kind of feel like again yeah, yeah.
1: It should have been last summer. It may well be the dregs of last year, but <laughs> I will do what I can and uh, try and make uh, light out of a sour situation. There we go.
0: Also on the line in Oregon, it's our Cascadia Owl, Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking?
2: Jeff, how are you? Um, I'm actually doing a little Lent thing here, so um, kind of passing up on the midweek drinking for a few, for a few weeks and uh, just enjoying a nice hot tea.
0: Very appropriate for a podcast about a Northern football team.
2: There
0: we go. And podcast we will. We reviewed the Lincoln City loss. We'll do the Wednesday news and we'll preview the Cambridge and the Akron Stanley game. So we're not going to preview the Akron Stanley game because you can just go listen to the Akron Stanley preview from two weeks ago. Um, They're in slightly worse form than they were two weeks ago. There's your Akron Stanley preview. We'll start with the Lincoln City review. Uh, A very annoying 3-1 loss. But we'll have to start with the thumbs up. And James, your thumbs up is the first half recovery.
1: Yeah, I mean I said I was gonna try and come on and be positive, right? So um
0: I mean you're you're contractually obligated to do a thumbs up, so
1: as I discovered two minutes before coming on the podcast. Um so Justin and I had a little uh interfamilial dispute on Twitter on uh, on Saturday lunchtime, um as a result of some umbrage that Justin took of uh, my analysis of the game after the second half. And I uh, I think he missed my analysis after the first half, which was complimenting Wednesday on weathering what was a Lincoln storm um I don't think I've seen any team come out of the blocks as fast and as hard and as consistently as <laughs> they seem to be amped up beyond all belief and it really did mess up the way in which we approached the game but in the first half I actually thought we did a pretty good job of of kind of getting the situation under control the um equalizer we'll talk about in a second uh, for obvious reasons but actually we we did make mistakes but we got a game plan back and by 45 minutes it felt like we were showing the better side of Wednesday we'd um we'd got a little bit more control in midfield we were you know seeming to get a handle on uh, on the way they were trying to get down the the left in particular and you know generally speaking it kind of felt like this was a banana skin we were going to avoid so I, I actually want to compliment the team on the first 45 minutes because I thought in a kind of an incendiary atmosphere they did pretty well to uh to keep their composure and to keep the um keep their form and um everything felt good going into halftime at 1-1 for reasons that you and mike i think are going to elaborate on
0: yeah it was a weird it was a weird game right like i know we said last week on the show you got to go to lincoln and get three points and you do have to go to lincoln and get three points but this is the first time i really this felt like a weird championship game right where you just go on the road and you face a a bottom-of-the-table team in, like, a tricky game, and they just—I mean, Wednesday used to do this against, like, Preston for years and years. I was like, every time they went to Preston in the championship, they just—no matter where their position was, where Preston was, like, it was just, like, one of those—they haven't really had those in League 1 because the quality in League 1 is just not as good. The, the league's not as deep as the championship. The league is, like, three teams deep. I don't know if Wednesday are actually one of those teams at this point, but, you know, like, fair play to Lincoln. They, like, you just kept waiting for them to punch themselves out, right? there's no way they keep this pace for 90 minutes, but they basically did. And again, like sort of, I guess, fair play to them, but you're right. They did. They did kind of deal with the fact, like it it became fairly clear early that we're just going to be allowed to dive in constantly and not like if it was a foul, it was a foul, but they weren't really going to do much more than that. And as we've seen, uh, refs in this level are very willing to let them play fast and loose. And that does it super suit Wednesday, but they've generally dealt with it. And they didn't really this week for a reason we're going to get to the thumbs down. But you can look at it as just a, a, just a banana skin game or a bad day at the office. And that's fine. But, I mean, the problem is we're in the business end of the fixture list now. They've put themselves in a little bit of a position, and the results kind of keep breaking against them, uh, despite their their recent good run of form. They haven't really... Put like enough distance between them and the and the playoff chasing team, as they're now no longer in the playoffs, despite having some games in hand left. But yeah, I don't I don't know if you want to read too much into it. There's some good stuff to take away from the first half, uh, and I guess that'll take me to my thumbs up, which is, man, uh, for a game that I think needed a moment of individual brilliance. I mean, more than one in the end, but for in that first half, they needed something to just like, you know bloody lincoln's nose a little bit and into the rescue comes marvin johnson once again and what an incredible run um, from where he got the ball and just the pace and to put an inch perfect cross at the end of it too um it was it was basically uh i know i know i'm not a big fan of namarv that's the closest to namarv i guess we've actually <laughs> we've it's seen this too year.
2: bad for all the uh the viral nature of uh bailey peacock Farrell early on in the season it's too bad this clip won't won't go viral no uh and be seen by by hundreds of people so i don't even know if it made any top tens around the the uk let alone the us so it's too bad though. That, that was um that was a very special very special run so um kudos to him
0: really is kind of like they got him on a free from what was it middlesbrough and like he was pretty much a lower league Stalwart for most of his career, and like he looks like a he could do a job in the championship. Like if Wednesday go up, they should just play him every game at left back. Yeah. Like he would be one of the people in the squad to be very confident. Could make the step up in level because um, he's not. There's nothing really about his game that would. He's not like getting by slowly on time and space because he can get a cross in from pretty much anywhere. Um, He's he's not pacey, but he's not slow. I think he's like an average. No, he, he finds
2: his angle. He yeah, finds his, his angle. He's just right? yeah, he
0: just his positional awareness is is very good. Right. Um, Either
2: were you gonna say anything about the uh, the finish from Barahino?
0: Well, it was a, like a, like you got to finish that right if you're a quality yeah. striker, and it was a good finish, like good body control, like made no mistake about it, got to the right spot in the box. So yeah, it's good to see from him.
1: I think it was another goal as well. Where if you, I mean, you watch the sp- the speeder which uh, Neymar gets down the left. I'm I'm not really into that, by the way. Yeah. Would you go with uh, Marjo or uh, I don't know Mar- Marboto Carlos? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, the speed he gets down the left. I mean, Berahino has to make up a lot of ground, yeah. and it's something he's been doing a lot in recent games. I think it was also a feature in the game of Doncaster. You know, he he does track back, and then he. He's got a real sense for getting into the right position in the box. And I don't know if that's something that they've been working on as his fitness is coming through, is he's playing a bit more regularly in the team and the team are getting more used to him. But, you know, getting that early ball in and knowing that he's making a beeline for the penalty spot seems to be effective. And um, yeah, it was a beautiful cross, but you're right, Mike, it was a sensational finish because it's actually a pretty hard technique to kind of get up high, get compact like that. Um, it was just an absolutely fantastic team goal. That's that's kind of the point. I I think if we compartmentalize, for me the problem is the second half rather than the first half, because if you Yeah, I kind mean, sometimes of take the, you, like, um, the Sometimes the team into is gonna a... come
0: out and press you and they've struggled with yeah. that this year, and sometimes you're gonna get up a scrappy goal early, and you know that that's a thing that happens and you've got to be able to respond to it. And they did respond to it, and they've been responding better generally recently, and I think this is part of it. And then we'll get to the second half. But we have to finish a thumbs up first. And Mike's is Billy Peacock Barrel keeping them in the game.
2: Yeah, again, this goes back to what James was saying. Um, I don't want to say I don't want to give him credit, but that was a bit of a barrage uh, in the first <laughs> half. And we're, we're unfortunately, this game is dominated by three very bad goals but, that we that were conceded. But um, he made some really nice saves in the first half uh, and kept him in the game. So um, I, I don't want to pin any of the other goals on him, but um, yeah, I think him keep, he really did prevent it from getting out of hand early on.
0: That's enough of the thumbs-up. Let's go to the thumbs-down. Uh, because, yeah, this might be a slightly more extensive segment this week. Unfortunately, uh, James, your thumbs-down is the second-half collapse crumbling under pressure.
1: Yeah. So now I've got to address the second tweet, the one that Justin um, took uh, quite a lot of offense to. Apologies, Justin. Um, we kissed and made up for anybody who uh, is concerned that we're still having a bit of a uh, tete-a-tete. Um, look... <laughs> in in the simplest form we just we didn't stand up to the pressure that lincoln were exerting on us i think you know whether the team thought like i did that we'd weathered the storm and the second half we could come out and play or whether we just you know were having an off day you, you can make arguments in in the moment but what ended up happening i think with the two goals we conceded was just a relentless team that put us under pressure didn't give us time and space We just kind of, we seem to fall back into a few behaviours that we saw earlier in the season where that in-your-face behaviour, that in-your-face kind of attitude led to daft mistakes in the back line. Um, And Jeff, you know, you'll you'll maybe talk about them a little bit more, but, you know, both of the goals that we conceded were, they were easily defendable. Um, You know, one's a fast break down the right and we just don't cut it out. I mean, the finish is excellent from the cutback, but, you know, you shouldn't really be letting them in um, with that speed and, and that simplicity. And then the second goal, um, I can't remember if it came off the corner, or if it was kind of worked back in after it had gone out to the right. But again, just too much time, space in the box and, and a really straightforward finish. So you just, you want to see the team kick on and find a way to dominate the game. What I said was good about the recovery in the first half. Just It just seemed to fall back into all behaviours for me in the second. And that, that's just a little bit worrisome at this time of the season.
0: Yeah, my problem. Yeah, the man,
1: the final, go, go ahead. Anyway. I was gonna say, the final goal
2: is actually of, of a throw-in, which makes it all the worse. I mean, they can't defend we throw-ins as, we, as well as yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> My thumbs down is the midfield. And look, the midfield, specifically Byers and Luongo. I thought Bannon was okay. Um, they're not perfect players. They're not going to have perfect performances every week and week out. But this was the kind of game where you want to see a little more steel from them, right? And we've seen it in the past. Luongo, especially is someone that can break up play and like Lincoln city's plan was to come in, harass the midfield, clog it up, keep them from doing the things that uh, they do well as double pivots. And they just never really adjusted to it. And, you know, I don't, That some of that's gotta be on Darren Moore too, for maybe not changing tactics or, you know, playing. I don't know if they should have played over the top more, maybe from the back. They, they they continue to try to play in the back. They got, and, like he continued to really, really harry them. And like, look, there were some fouls that got let go. There were some fouls that probably should have gotten cards. But I didn't think it was like, I don't think it was dirty per se or anything like that. It was just very hard-nosed football that you're going to find at this level. And you've got to be able to give as good as you get. And they were never able to do it. And they were never really able to break the press. And you would hope that midfield could have enough uh, sort of sense of where everyone else is on the field move well enough without the ball get balls out to the wings like when they actually did get the ball to Marvin Johnson obviously got the, the great move for the goal but they were almost kind of like overly stubborn when it wasn't working and and they got punished for it in the end and like look I'm, I'm not saying you know could they have brought Fizz on maybe 15 minutes earlier I don't know what his level of fitness is right now but they kind of maybe needed something a little bit stronger and a little more direct in that midfield to make that adjustment, you know, before the game got out of hand. But again, I don't know what his fitness level is. Same thing with Gregory; they could have used someone a little more traditional hold-up play up top too, and it never really got that. But again, you've got players coming off fairly significant injuries, and I'm I'm sure Moore knows their their fitness level and what they can give you, you know, how much of the ninety they can give you over the course of that game. But it just you know it this is the team that is going to go as far as the midfield three takes them. And when they don't have a good game, this is ultimately, and like, look, you can couple about their defensive set pieces and in the back line has a mistake in it. And yes, yes, yeah, fine. That's as far as it goes, but it doesn't, I don't know if it gets to that point if the midfield is a little, a little more crisp than they were on Saturday.
2: It kind of goes back to what you said in the first segment about this being the, the banana peel game, um yeah, if, if Wednesday had been healthy and gelling all year and we had 22 wins instead of those 10 draws, then, yeah, I would have expected that kind of midfield play to happen once in a while and, and be an issue. But
1: um, we can't afford this this late in the season. I know I have a um, a bit of a stuck record tendency on this, but you've also got to look at who you're playing against. So we were only playing Lincoln City at Sinsel Bank in Lincoln. You know, it's not like we were kind of, you know, we were playing at a highly accomplished championship team that have kind of, you know, turned up a lot of teams that I think they'd lost three on the bounce beforehand. And Mm -hmm. that's not to be disrespectful. It's just, it's a strange game for us to come unstuck. That midfield access has been working really well. And I'm, you know, how many podcasts have gone by in recent weeks where we've been extolling, you know, everything. That how many times that have they been heavily
0: pressed team? by a team for that long, though, too? This has been a. And, this and been this is like, the interesting dynamic. Been yeah. a recurring theme. Like, look, there's not a lot of teams at this level that can do this, right? Or at least not do it. Like, Doncaster did it for a while, but they ran out of gas.
1: And, and, and if there's a there's a piece that worries me here it's it's less the one result because let's be clear you know we'll talk about the previous like
0: if they get in whoever they play in the playoffs when they go on the road is going to play
1: exactly like this that that's exactly what what the worry is you know how does this team respond to a team that goes all in and can sustain it in the way that lincoln did because you have to assume that if lincoln can you know a sunderland in the playoffs can and this is where the echoes come back in you know you you go past all of this good run and you go back to Boxing Day or whenever it was up at Sunderland and we, and we lose 5-0, it's, it has those echoes of when a team really gets at us, we don't necessarily have the rebuttal. So that's just something Darren Moore and the players are going to have to figure out. You know, How do they respond to that high intensity in a way that allows them to do what they did in the first half and calm it down? but then slowly take control of the game and dominate in the way they've done in recent weeks, which, um, you know, they've done fantastically. The game against Charlton, they just controlled the tempo and the the tone of that game from the word go. They've got to be able to do that after they've been under pressure and under duress as well.
0: I do think getting a, getting a healthier, deeper bench will help with that to an extent, just to give him more, more tactical options and more ability to rotate the squad for these midweek games as needed. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's we can talk about all that. They, I mean, assuming Gregory wasn't ready to play 90 and he probably wasn't, that was, that was their best 11. There's the same players that have been, um, basically one what is it? It's so seven of nine or whatever. The run of form they've been on recently. And like, look, um, they can afford a loss. There's a lot of games left. They have games in hand. It's still an easy run in, slightly less easy run in now that they have, don't have Lincoln in front of them, but it's still a pretty easy run in. Um, I'm not sounding the alarm yet. That might be next week. We'll see. But uh, it's, you know, yeah. we only have one loss to talk about this week. So we have, we have, again, contractual obligations. And to round out our contractual obligations for the first segment of the show, Mike, your thumbs down the out of sync back line.
2: Yeah. It's um, it's really the first time since uh, Jordan story joined that squad that we've, uh, Again, two, two goals that were entirely preventable. Um, actually, Jan, I'm surprised you didn't mention the, the corner as being particularly bad. Uh, yes, the tap was bad and the throw one's bad. But I actually thought the corner, um, there was just way too much uh, open space there. And if you watch it again, if you watch it a few times on replay, you'll see Story and Liam, and Liam Palmer um, going wrong directions and leaving a couple guys wide open to do what they wanted and even the the finish on that corner wasn't even great I don't even think it uh it almost got stopped but I think it was Bannon or someone on the ground there but it wasn't even a clean finish so And, and similar with that throw in the uh first time I've ever seen the players actually look like they're looking at each other wondering why weren't you over there I thought you were supposed to be there
1: so yeah um, i didn't mention yeah. the uh, the corner mike for the simple reason i was trying to be positive about the first half <laughs> oh, i'm that sorry that was a, that was so a moment of, of, of real aberration i think it was hutchinson okay. by the way who was the uh, the man on the line trying to block it he ended up being down for quite a while which the lincoln right. commentators seem completely and utterly um unwilling or unable to offer any form of empathy, they they were just convinced he was down there for some kind of sympathetic vote after the goal went in. But, but yeah, the you know the nature of the goals overall that were conceding, and and again, don't just look at the one game. Let's look at at least the last two games. Those couple of goals against Burton were pretty, pretty you know easy the goals Goals against Rotherham were well. not great either. Australia.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're again they they were good set pieces as far as that goes, but.
1: So I get, I guess yeah. to your broader point, Mike, the back line has to tighten up. Um, you know, Bailey Peacock Farrell made some good saves. Could he have got to a couple of those kind of shot stopping opportunities, get lower a little bit faster? Possibly. But I think this dynamic about the back three is is the really interesting one. You know, do we do we need IORFA to get healthier faster? Do we need um do we need to think again about the way in which we're using um you know, story and Hutchinson, if Gibson is fit, these are just, you know, some of the hard choices we've got to make just to, just to get stability, because we've got to cut out the silly, silly goals. If we want to get anything out at the back end of the season. And we've been doing it better in recent weeks, but not doing it exclusively.
0: Well, that wraps up the first half of the show and come back with the Wednesday news and preview Cambridge United and Accrington Stanley games now it's time for some wednesday news there's not much wednesday news uh darren moore and barry bannon were nominated for manager slash player of the month in the efl awards i don't know why they do it like it's already march 9th i don't know why we're doing like I assume it's for February, and we're doing February awards now. Obviously, Bannon did not even win the uh, fans' vote for Wednesday. That was Byers. But yeah, he had a very good month. As we said, there any number of players could have, uh, could have easily won for February, although it is no longer February. Anyway, we don't want Darren Moore to win Manager of the Month because it's a well-known curse at this point. Uh, in brighter news, we haven't done a lot of uh, reserves and youth team stuff this year because there's been other stuff going on usually among Wednesdays, like 37 transfer signings over the last six months. But uh, the under-18s, we did to cover the under-18s uh, cup run, and they are continuing to make hay in the league as well. They beat both Wigan and Petersboro this week to go top of the PDL under-18. So good for them. I think uh, Katamateri got back on the score sheet as well. Uh, in the Peterborough game, I only glanced at the match logs because, you know, I'm not going to do that much research for this show. Come on. I did (laughs) have to do a little bit of research, though, as we head to the previews. And it's time to preview the Cambridge United game. Take it away, Jeffrey. Not happy about this. Uh, Justin's not on the show. Patty's not on the show. So you get the third-tier match previewer. Cambridge are in 13th. uh, Only five spots behind Wednesday, but a 16-point gap. Only one point from their last three. Uh, most recently, a nil-nil draw with the Shrews. Before that, they got pummeled by Oxford and Wickham. They have conceded 53 and scored 46, both of which are in the middle of the pack. This is a is mid of mid table team as you can possibly get. Um, of those 46 goals, only half of them have scored, or barely over half of them have scored for open play. Which, hey, when you're playing Sheffield Wednesday, yeah, it's a it's a harbinger of something. Uh, As far as goal scoring goes, um, their main striker and uh, their best player this year is Joe Ironside. What an incredible lower league English striker name. Actually uh, came out through the youth system with the Blunts. uh, Played a little bit for them as a a teenager in the early 20s. After that, did the... uh, the lower league sojourn, spending time at uh, Alfreton Town, Nuneton Town, Nunieton Town. What is that, Jeff? What is that, James? Nuneton. It's in Warwickshire, apparently.
1: Could you could you just take a couple of other runs at that, Jeff? Just for my <laughs> entertainment.
0: Nuneaton? Is it Nuneaton?
1: It's Nuneaton.
0: Nuneaton, all right, fair enough.
1: Is it, and it's the team Nuneaton Borough, is that right, or something like that?
0: With Nuneaton Town, there might be a... Uh, Nuneaton uh, Town,
1: I've got no idea. All I know is Nuneaton is a, like okay, it's, so, it's one of those places so, in the middle of nowhere that doesn't really have any great value, apart from the fact I think it's a train stop on the East Midlands train line between London and Sheffield, which no one yeah. ever really understands. It's so, just there.
0: Yes, it is. So they were they were, they, were, they were founded in 1889 as uh, Nuneaton St. Nicholas, In 1937, they became a Borough FC. In 1991, they were reformed as Nuneaton Borough 1991 FC. And in 2008, they were reformed by a Town FC. So I assume there were some financial problems in there. Uh, They currently play in the Southern League Premier Division Central. Uh, But he went from from there to... uh, Hold on, hold on,
1: Jeff. Can can I just remember, are we still talking about... What's his job's oh, Ironside.
0: Joe Ironside. Yes. Oh my God! Really? And that I give you time to cue that out Wi fi to pronounce it in fifteen hundred different ways. Right,
2: well, here comes the DMCA for the pod.
0: Uh, Kidderminster Harriers with the spell at York City on loan, Macclesfield Town, and then Cambridge United. Twelve goals in twenty-six this year. Uh, the rest I'll tell you of the what, You
1: can't say that we do not do our research on this pod. The rest I of mean, the spine. Uh, that is just in delivering for you, Jeff, in a quite spectacular way.
0: The team is uh, Paul Digby and Jack Iredale, who have been two of their better players as well this year. They generally are willing to concede possession and attack on the counter. Uh, they feature long balls and the offside trap, so maybe do not start Florian Camberry in this game. Let's see about the flag going up every 30 seconds. Uh, they need to win this game. I just say that? They need to win this one. Can I got, just go like, with my usual
1: refrain? It's Cambridge! It's We're Cambridge, playing them at Hillsborough, Cambridge right? I mean, it's Cambridge. There we go. Yeah, by the way, if we uh, want to I just did. have a quick return to the Lincoln game, yeah. Canberry, extra thumbs down. Really didn't deliver anything when it came on, right? Oh, yeah, that's true.
0: I don't Yeah. yeah. I, don't I guess with Gregory, I, I guess how would you... It's going to be Gregory and Patterson,
1: probably? Yeah, I'd have left Patterson on. I, I, I didn't really understand the double sub. I understood that well, yeah, we were the trying to get something out of
0: it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. His substitution policy has been weird. It's generally worked, but he has done some weird stuff here Not and there. Enough. That's I don't... I, again, I said in the first part of the show, in the review, that like this was... Like, again, I don't know if relative fitness, but... This is a game that kind of cried out for his directness and physicality in a way that you know you're going to give up a little bit defensively if he comes on for buyers or really long ago, but i mean at that point you just gotta chase the game and try to get goals so i, thought, I don't know if it would have worked one way or the other but
1: we're going into a whirlpool of despair here let's just say beat cambridge beat be beat ironside beat do, do, do either of you remember do either of you remember at cambridge I've tried to erase over? it from my memory, um, mm. but for that goal, I think it's um, one of the most depressing evenings that I can remember mm. trying to watch Wednesday mm. in probably the last six months. Consider the header, go figure. I mean, a oh, corner. Scenes,
0: yeah. 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 I think, I do remember if it was... I don't remember which. It was Dom or someone else that noted this. Like They have a very easy run-in, but they also didn't beat any of these teams the first time around. Exactly. <laughs> but they're playing better now. So, again, beat Cambridge and beat Accrington. It's that simple. Uh, you've been listening to episode 170. The Oh, wait. I guess we should say we have any other business. Do we have meetup stuff? I don't even... Uh, we're not doing a meetup in New York because Patty has something going to a concert the night before and doesn't want to get up or something like that or just want to see it it's a bit more city. complicated than that yeah. jeff
1: i mean if, if you want if if anybody wants to hear the story which is kind of worth telling Whatever.
0: um it's a short show so far so yeah. paddy yeah. has
1: been uh, very thoughtfully doing his research right. around yes, new york yes, in recent weeks yeah. to mm-hmm. uh, to try and identify good venues for our OAOA OA meetup and in, uh, in the beginning of april um, in doing his research, he went out after the meetup on Saturday with a couple of the New York Owls to, uh, to test out a couple of venues, um, two of which are now on the agenda for yeah. away without revealing names. Um, all of it ended up with Paddy being back home by nine yes. o'clock and asleep. Now, what do you think? What do you think testing a venue entails?
0: Nine p.m. or nine a.m.
1: 9 p.m which is not a particularly good turnaround for uh for new york uh mike testing the venue i believe was speaking to the bar staff understanding their you know philosophy about having um sheffield wednesday fans in their establishment probably checking the security you know the fire escapes um i don't know whether or not anybody got thrown out of one of the venues just to test to see how that would work that may may possibly have been the case um anyhow, because Paddy ended up in bed at 9pm, just to reinforce that was 9pm, not okay. a.m., he's worried that this Saturday being his somethingth birthday hmm. involving a four, not the big one, but probably the one that comes after, he, uh, he he has a gig at like 8.30, so he can't go to a meetup on Saturday because it may lead to him not still be being awake at the time of his gig on Saturday night, which I think is very thoughtful. Um, this is showing the risk we're putting into the planning for the away. So anyway, there you go. That's how we fill time on the podcast. Yeah. We just basically belittle Paddy's drinking yeah. capability. Yeah. Uh,
0: I was going to say that it's already revealed. We have identified at least one bar for Friday night. More details to come. I'm sure we'll just email you if you're on the email list. Uh, again, if you have an RSVP, go ahead and RSVP at com. All of the uh, relevant Information is there. I don't think we have anything else. I assume New Orleans is meeting up at Fimmicles. They always meet up at Fimmicles. I mean, if you want to show up at the Football Factory, I'm sure Jack will put the game on for you. Patty just won't be there. You've listened to episode 170 of the Owls America That might be a plus or a minus. I don't know. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas.gmail.com. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at Owls America's, our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesday for Forever and the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show; just do what feels right, and wherever you choose, consume the Owls of Americast. We ask that you rate and review the shows, helps more Wednesday nights find our ramblings. Mike is on Twitter at Cascadia Owls. Um, I'm just gonna repeat the ones from last week because we have two different people on. I know. Instead of trying to think up something new, I never think up things ahead of the time. And usually I'm like, I don't know why I'm not even shooting, but I haven't drank that much and, and it's not that late and the show didn't go that long. But anyway, Mike, when you land for the, uh, it's part of the promotion for the event. When you land yes. in New York for the Old yeah, well, Americas, uh, the OAA Day, what's the first thing you're going to do?
2: So I'm landing Friday at like 4.30 at JFK. So I figure I've got a quick turnaround. So I am pretty turnaround. much just going to do i can, I, yeah, I got to figure out how to get to whichever this, Super secret part. Can you can you, you give sh- a hint? What neighborhood this? Friday you should night
0: bar? be able to get there in two and a half hours. It's not a okay. guarantee on the air tram, but you should be able to yeah. get there in two and a half hours. Yeah,
2: it's always like that. So yeah, I'm pretty much going to be scrambling for the yeah. first. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, coming from the West Coast, the whole thing's going to be a blur. Good yeah. seventy hour blur for me.
0: James is on Twitter at Manhattan owls, James, uh, what is the, uh, you, James is going to roll out of bed. What are the first thing you're going to do when you, uh, on that, I guess on that Friday for away away day, you have no travel involved, really. I
1: mean, I've got to get the, the set. I'm going to pick Mike river. up at the airport
0: yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, on Friday evening, travel uh, yeah. Friday evening traffic coming yeah. down the long Island expressway. I mm. think you'll be faster going on the air train than the, e. um, what am I gonna do on well, the first thing on the Friday? I'll probably do a day's work before um actually coming down, Jeff, which is exceedingly boring or, or I can be just ribbing Paddy about the fact that he needs to get a full day's sleep in order to be <laughs> able to maintain himself for uh for the fun and games to come starting at what about five p m on uh on Friday about I mean, time I'll be flying to
0: at noon or so, so by the time we get into Manhattan in the afternoon early evening i'm sure patty will already be regretting several choices he's made over the course of the day and i'm on twitter at jeff petternastro that's my plan for when i land for OAOA and we'll see you back here next week